everybody grab your Bibles to stand to your feet. Let's get ready. We have been doing a Bible confession for many, many, many years here, so we're going to say it today like we believe it, like it's true, and then Ryan is going to come read, and our hearts are going to be filled. Amen? All right, let's go. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Give me your best shout. That was a good shout. Romans chapter 7. We'll start in verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that I am doing what is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I really the one doing wrong? It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when, I want, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. There is, there, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, you see how it is. In my mind, I really, want, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Come on, give God a shout of praise. You can be seated. Thank you so much for being part of the house today. We are in the fifth week of a sermon series called Fact Check. And this is the thought that we pull up every single week. I hope it's in you right now. We're going to talk about it all week. Here it is, that even from the very beginning of resurrection, the very first day that Jesus came back from the grave, the story was considered fake. And even the people that walked with him and followed him and saw him walk on water and the miracles that he did, the babies that he raised from the dead, the old people that he, the blind, the deaf, uh, they, they themselves was like this story's just nonsense. I don't get it. 2,000 years removed, here we sit today, and this has been what I've been attempting to do every week, is to try to show how we become convinced that this Jesus we talk about is real. When we don't see him, uh, most have never seen him. We believe because a parent told us to. We believe because we grew up in the South and everybody in the South should go to church. If you don't, you go to hell. 
We believe maybe because somebody else that we know believed and we saw a change in them and so we grabbed hold of it. Maybe we believe because we were out riding four-wheelers one day and somebody showed up and told us about God. But we're here today trying to understand, is it real? Let's jump into what Ryan read. I pray this not only helps you today, but what I said a moment ago. My prayer is that this revolutionizes your life and that you're never the same again. I know we say that in our Bible, I'm never the same again, but where five weeks into this thing, where I want to deposit you today, I pray it awakens you to maybe Christianity and the religion of it, but also the reality of it. So that uh, literally, I mean, I believe this with my whole heart, that when you walk out today on the 15th of May, you'll write down, I remember on this day, I was never the same again. And I pray that it does forever change your life. Here's the first verse. So the trouble is not with all the rules. That's what that means. Your, your problem is not that you can't keep your own rules. We're great at breaking other people's rules, but if you really want to know how terrible humans we are, we break our own. We make a rule by January 1 and by March, we didn't even keep that rule. We can't even keep our own rules. He says, the trouble is not with the rules. And here's the deal. The first rule was, don't eat the fruit. We blew it. So God's like, well, if you blew it, I'll give you ten more. See if you can do those. And I won't, won't just say those verbally. I'll write them on a rock so they'll be real clear. So verbally, don't eat. We missed it. Probably, I think God miscommunicated. I said, God's like, I'll never miscommunicate again. I'm going to write it on a rock. I got you, God. I can do all 10 of them. We can't even do 10. But we like to believe we can do 10. So by the time Jesus came, there were 613 laws that they kept to feel holy. 600, you can't even do one. But because we're arrogant little cusses, <laughs> stubborn little children, we like to believe that if I can't do one, well, certainly I can do 613. Because if you have 613, nobody can evaluate whether or not you're breaking one. Because as long as I can keep 40 more than you, I feel spiritual. But if you just devalue 613 down to one, we can just make sure all of us in the room are guilty. So there's a weirdness about rules. Christianity loves rules. We give you rules to join the church. We give you rules to lead. We give you rules to be part of a special club of people in the church. If you give enough money, if you read the Bible, if you live right, if you the rules that come with it. The reality and the funny thing about the rules is when we come to the wedding, there are really no rules. It's just love that brings us there because there's this weird thought that if love brings us there, I don't need rules because I would never cheat on the one I love because I love them. If we came to the altar with rules, which we would call prenups, it's a little strange. Like I kind of come thinking you're going to take advantage of me. So it starts out that way. It starts out that if you don't understand, it's not even about the rules. But they make us feel good. It, they help me evaluate where I'm at in my spirituality. If I'm doing two more rules than you, I feel good about myself. I even say, well, I'm not that bad. 
I mean, I've never murdered anybody. I just hate people. Right? So he goes on. He says, for it's spiritual and it's good, but the trouble is with me. I'm all too human. And I'm sure, I mean, I, I don't have time to do a scientific study, but I'm almost certain that if we were all honest, the trouble is you. It's me. It's looking at me in the mirror. I love to blame it on everybody. I love to say it's Joe Biden. I love to say it's Trump. I love to say it's the Democrats. I love to say it's the Republicans. I love to say it's my ex. It probably is. I love to say, I love to say what, I, I love to play the victim. But the reality of the victim mentality, it never looks back at the person in the mirror that is the real problem. You and me are the real problem. Here's the thing, left to ourselves, only one human on the planet, on an island, you would still have a problem. It would be you. Loneliness would creep in, depression would creep in, misery would creep in. There's an old joke, I think it's really, really funny. They found a guy stranded on an island, he'd been there for years. And this is probably the dumbest joke ever that won't even fit, but it felt good. <laughs> And they found him on an island, and when they found him, they were going around, and they said, well, what is all this? He said, well, those three houses there. He said, well, that there's my house. I live there. And he said, they said, oh, great. Well, what's this? He said, that's my church. They said, your church? He said, yeah, I always believed. My mama said I was supposed to go to church, so I've been here for 20 years by myself, so I built my own church. And they said, well, what's that over there? And he said, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even get along with his own self. <laughs> that, fit, that felt pretty good right there, right? But does that show you the problem? The problem is not everybody else in the room. The problem is you. The problem is me, and that's what he's saying. We're all too human. And I would imagine in the blue, I'm just going out on a limb here, I would imagine everybody in the room has done something you wish you wouldn't have done said something you didn't want to say, made a promise to yourself you did not keep, woke up and thought, today's the day. I'm going to overcome today. Today's the day I'm going to get a handle on that donut. You riding right by Duncan, cursing me like, you don't have control over me. Yes, I'll have two chocolates and a red velvet, please. <laughs> that Duncan just reeled you right back in. Next verse says this, perhaps, this is the thought, perhaps the reason I struggle with Jesus being real to me resides in the fact that my struggle with sin is more real. Maybe why Jesus feels so fake to people is because their struggle feels so real. I wrote this down if you've ever said it. I think it's the worst phrase in the world, but it's used often, the struggle is real. Or, I'm just on the struggle bus, pray for me. I've been on the struggle bus. I've been on the struggle train. The struggle is real. The struggle is real being a parent. The struggle is real being a husband and a wife and learning how to live together. The struggle is real being part of a community of broken people who are trying to find the life of God. The struggle is real to pay your bills. The struggle is real in an economy with inflation. The struggle is real when your addictions keep chasing you down. 
The struggle is real when you cry at an altar and go, oh, God, deliver me. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, a week later, the struggle shows back up, knocking on the door going, I'm back. Oh, I thought I conquered that. I thought I had a handle on that. If you want to know how real the struggle is, find somebody that has gone through something like AA or been set free from some addiction. All right? To show you how real the struggle is, they often count their days since their last struggle. I'm 298 days free. And it feels good to be 299 free. But the problem is right behind you lurks zero. You're going back to square one if you just burp wrong. And though the freedom is real, the struggle is also real. It's right in your hip pocket. It's begging you to wake up. It's begging to walk with you. It's beg And it can be anything. It can be as simple as a, a small way you feel about yourself that's destroying you. And it can be as tragic as you're addicted to a substance that's killing everybody who loves you. But the struggle is real, and the funny thing about it is we can't even measure the struggle. We, we can't say, well, you know, how do, we, how do we quantify what people struggle with? If someone says to me, I struggle with heroin, I can't even identify with that. I don't even know what that feels like. But I know what, it struggle, I know what it's like to struggle with negativity. And you think, heroin and negativity, I would shift that in a heartbeat. Well, yes and no, because the terror is just as real for both. The torment is just as real for both. One may just destroy self and many others. This one can also destroy self and many others in a different way. So perhaps the reason in 2022 that our gender, our sexuality, our feelings, our victimization feels so real and Jesus feels so fake is probably directly connected to my struggle wakes up with me every day. Here's the scriptures. We're going to pull this apart and see if we can understand it. But I know that what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that rules are good. That's why we have them. Don't kill. They're there for a reason. Don't commit adultery. It's there for a reason. But I'm not the one doing wrong. And then this phrase and the next two scriptures are going to have this phrase in red. Sin is living in me. The next verse, it goes even deeper into it. And I know nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do the things I do, but I don't. I don't want to do wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody ever been there? I woke up drinking my coffee going, ah, today I got it. And then all of a sudden she wakes up. And the very thing I said I wouldn't do, I wasn't going to raise my voice, I did it. I'm not going to look at porn. I just got back from youth camp. I have conquered porn. Monday morning, I'm looking at porn. The things I don't want to do, I do. It chases me down. He said, but I do what I don't want to do. And I am not really the one doing wrong. And in red again, sin is living in me. Here's the thought. Maybe the reason my struggle feels more real to me than Jesus is because Jesus is more of a belief system in my mind rather than an ongoing, everyday, present reality of life. It's a belief system. We even say, do, do you believe in Jesus? And the thinking is, yes, I think I do. 
Hey, pray this prayer with me. I believe in Jesus. Okay, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe he died for you? Yeah, I do. I do. I believe he died. I don't even know who he is, but I believe it. You told me it's true. I believe it's true. All right, based on you believing he died for you and you believing it's true, you now are what we call born again. Oh, great. All right, good. Born again. I love it. And then we kind of check the box, like got another one in the kingdom, got another one that's saved. And we just leave them that thinking the reality to a great life is just make sure you think this, Jesus is Lord. And no wonder just keeping Jesus in the thought life alone is really not where the, where the freedom comes. Because what both verses say is there's something living in us. The best way I can think is Ace Ventura. It's alive. There's something in you living. And it's not just that you ate too much and your stomach's rumbling. According to the Bible, something is alive on the inside of you. And the way it looks at it is we say, well, I just don't want to do what I do. I do. I don't want to say that. Oh, God, I can't believe I... I don't want to look at that again. God, I, keep, I don't want to keep going back to that addiction, but I do. I don't know why. So what I do is I make another rule. Okay, another rule. Whatever you do, don't, don't get on social media. That's my rule. Okay, stay off. And then before I know it, I don't know if I'm really free as much as I'm just juggling rules. Now that's fine for a while. Juggling rules is fine. We all think, wow, and here's what we'll say, wow, you're doing better. But the goal is not to do better. You can do better without God. Just go to school, take better care of yourself, watch your nutrition, go exercise a little bit, read some books, get educated. You can do better. But the one thing you cannot do is control the thing that's living in you. And what it's teaching us is these hands that keep doing what I don't want to do, this mouth that keeps speaking what I wish it wouldn't, this behavior that I can't conquer, it's because I'm not... It's because I no, it's because there's something living in me. It's a power that works. It's, a, it's weird. It's so different because what we believe is Jesus is just up here. The devil is up here. Oh, he's just in my mind. He's, no, what it says and what it's teaching us is that there's something on the inside. I remember years ago, gosh, it was 1970s, uh, I went to see the movie Alien. She's laying there like this, and then all of a sudden, everybody on the ship's got the little thing growing in them. And you started seeing her, and it's like everybody's eating popcorn. Like, oh, God, this is when movies were great. And it's like, uh, and then all of a sudden, this little thing goes, and it's like everybody in the movie's like, oh, my God. That's before we had CGI, so it was really cool to just watch some animal burst out of the torso of a human. But that's the reality of what's going on is there's something living on the inside of you. Paul even says it's not even me doing it. It's, it's a power in me that's driving me to do it. And you're a fool if you think you can conquer it with another rule. You will never conquer it with another rule. It is the most asinine, stupid thing you will ever do is give yourself another rule in 2023. 
You will break every rule you give yourself because until you learn that there is a power in me that is the antithesis of everything that is God, you are on a slippery slope of continued misery. And you can trick yourself into keeping rules to feel better. And you will for a while. There's something really weird about rules. It just makes us feel holy. But there's a difference between feeling holy and living free. Literally a difference of this constant religious struggle to try to stop doing these bad things with this, oh my God, I'm free. I want to teach you how to get there. Here we go. I have discovered, I love it when Ryan read it, it jumped out at me again as I was reading it this week. I've discovered a principle in life. In other words, he doesn't even leave it up for discussion. It's just a given. The given is this just works. He doesn't ask your opinion. He just goes ahead and assumes that he's already lived it out. So if I've lived it out and proved it, it must be a principle of life. It's a proven fact. It's the way it would read. That when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do wrong. I love God's law. I love the rules. I love the Ten Commandments. I love the things he got to to teach me that I, I'm probably not as good as I think I am. But there's another, here it is, there's that power. There's a power in me that wars with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to sin that's on the inside of me. He even uses it as a slave that there's something else that drives you. There's something else that controls you. It's not your mother. It, it's not, here's the weird thing. It's not even the addiction. The addiction is the outflow of the fruit of a power that is controlling you. And if all you do is keep touching the addiction and you don't ever deal with the power, the addiction is always about five minutes away from being your best friend again. It's why we can watch people go down the same path over and over and we go, how did they do that? Don't they know how it hurts people? Don't they know it's killing them? Don't they know that the bad decisions they make about their health is killing them? And they know it's killing them. They know their blood pressure's high. They know that they're unhealthy. They know that, but they cannot eat healthy because something won't let them. And even though their body is the temple of the holy God, they, they just can't do. So, so it's just... It's just a little bit drunk here, a little bit addicted here, but I'm keeping enough rules to make me feel well balanced. Next is this. I love it. Ryan read it better than anything with the exclamation point. Oh, God, what a miserable man I am. It shows us the struggle is real. The struggle is that you're never really happy. The struggle is that you're never really free. The struggle is that you're always just one foot on could tumble at any minute. The struggle is so real of your misery that you block it out and you focus only on the rules you're able to keep. You block everything else out. You don't want to talk about it. You ignore it. You, you, you excuse it. You say things like, well, we all have problems. Duh. So that's the justification of continuing to live in them is because we all have them? Of course we all have them. I mean, I, I, 
If I stood up here every Sunday, just I'm going out on a limb here. Every Sunday, I showed up a little eight sheets in the wind. <laughs> you're probably wondering, what would that look like? Because I already think you're about seven. <laughs> if I showed up every Sunday, and I just want everybody to know that Jesus loves you or you can love yourself after probably one or two weeks y'all know me enough to like man he had a bad weekend <laughs> I bet he lost a fight with Robin something's going on <laughs> but if I showed up every week eight sheets in the wind wouldn't you suddenly go does he even believe what he teaches us like, like, he's got a problem. And then I say, but, but, but I love Jesus. You can't tell me I don't love Jesus. And then we would say, okay, but it's not about just loving him. It's about freedom. Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. So he says, what a miserable person I am. And then the weirdness of it, he he, he lets us know it's not a feeling, it's not a religion, it's not a rule, it's a person. Who will get me out of this life that is dominated by sin? It's a who, it's not another church, it's not another rule, it's not another book, it's not another program, it's not another counseling session, it is a who. A who will get me through. That's that good. I need a t-shirt. A who will get me through. <laughs> but that's it. And this is the most simplistic part of Christianity because I imagine everybody in here is going, yeah, it's true. But it's so true, we still don't get the freedom because we love the rules. We love balancing. I'm kind of good with kind of bad. God loves me anyway. That's just me. Deal with it. The Lord's not done with me yet. Be patient. I'm on the struggle bus. And the world watches that and wonders, this is me. I'm going to go on a limb while the world thinks, why in the hell would I want to serve that? Look at you. You're no better than me. You're just as addicted, just as mad, just as burned out, just as ticked off, just as fat, just as miserable, just as broke. But you tell me Jesus is the answer? So the reality is, whether we believe it or not, the world is very well connected to our own struggles. If you don't believe it, go to YouTube. The downfall of Hillsong. The real Carl Lentz. Oh, they're just all over it. Brian Houston's fallen into sin. All these big name people. YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video. Obsessed upon their own struggle. And they've made movies about How would you like to show up on YouTube and there's a movie of your darkest secret? You'd be like, oh God, there's too many views. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody would like that. But the world is obsessed to find reality. They want reality. The transgender movement that's happening before your very eyes. I'm good, I say good with it. I mean, it's just the way the world does the world. So it's not like I'm, I think they should act like God's people. 
I mean, I'm good with it. And what else do you think of the devil's kids doing what they do? That's his kids and we have God's kids and both live on the same planet. But the thing is, what I'm noticing as I parse this to the longevity of it, of how many people are on the other side of trans who are trying to detransition because what they thought it would fix, it did not. And they're still broken and they're still hurt and it didn't fix their issues. And so now you'll find a litany of conversations and testimonials of people that thought this lifestyle would fix the brokenness that I felt, but it never does. It may lighten the load a little bit. But the reality that we're teaching our kids, if you just tap into your sexuality, if you tap into your real gender, not what you were born with, but who you feel like you are, and kids are just grabbing it going, yes, I'm probably a girl, I'm a Z this week, I'm a cis next week, I'm a they them this week, I'm a they this week, I'm a he her this week, I'm a she him this week, I just whatever I want to be, I can be, and the world's like, yes, you finally have arrived. You can be free now because you can be anything you want. The problem is about two years into being anything you want, you realize it didn't fix a thing. And all the pronouns that you had in your bio didn't fix the brokenness. While Christians do nothing but criticize the brokenness. Criticize how dumb this generation is. They're not dumb. They're looking for freedom. We have the answer to freedom. But if we shut up and only criticize, don't get mad that they're trying to find it. They're doing what humans do. I want to be free. And then Christians sit over here going, we're free. No, you're not. You're just as addicted, just as broken, just as tormented, just as depressed. The only thing you got going for you is you probably won't go to hell. And we wonder what's going on in our world. Here's my take. It's only my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just throwing it to you. I think why we see so much struggle today is the world is looking for freedom because Christians quit living free. And though we go, oh my God, there goes the world, I think it's an object lesson to know there went the church. We stop being free. And when we stop being free, don't get mad that the world looks elsewhere. That's just absolutely the truth. Don't get mad that they're looking somewhere else. Because you know good and well, if your burger joint quit serving good burgers, you'd go to another burger joint. So when the world is going somewhere else other than God's people, let me tell you, the problem's not the devil he was dealt with. The problem is God's people. Maybe we weren't putting the freedom. I want to teach you how to get there. Here's the thought. When you don't understand what's happening inside you, the reality of Jesus pales in comparison to the reality of your struggle. So I don't want to talk anymore about everybody else. I want to talk straight to you. Straight to you, Davis, Carla, me, everybody. Straight to you, Alex. You now, that, that you in the mirror person. The, the you staring at yourself in the mirror. Is your struggle more real to you than Jesus himself? Which one is waking up with you daily? Which one is controlling you? Which one is riding to work with you? Which one is in the midst of every argument you have? 
So let's forget about the trans movement, the LGB2. Let's forget about Joe Biden and the economy. Let's forget about Trump for a minute. Let's forget about all the things we love to focus on of why we're so broken. Let your ex go. Let your last preacher go. Let your let everything else is out of your life. It's you in a mirror. Is your struggle a lot more alive in you than Jesus Himself? Here's how we know. Here's the scripture. So there's now no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And because you belong to him, oh God, get ready. It's not even a problem for Jesus to make you free because here's what Jesus says, oh, I'm not worried. There's something living in you. Don't worry. As soon as you believe in me, I'm going to put something bigger. I'm going to put a bigger force on the inside of you. I'm going to put something alive in you that will blow your mind. This, this Christianity that's only a belief that wears a little choker, that gets a tattoo that says all things are possible. That Christianity pales in comparison to my struggle. But the power that lives on the inside of me, that has been given to me to overcome, that has been given to me. So, so what's going on is I'm over here juggling more rules and Jesus is like, dude, there was a power, and the moment you believed in me, I'm going to translate and transfer the power. One power is going to leave, and another power is going to come. You shall receive power. It will be in you. And what it will do, get ready, it's in blue. What, it, what will it do? Just scream it out. What will it do? Free you. It will free you. You don't even need another rule. You're free. Free, free, free. You find a place of freedom, and that blows people's mind. Something is changing you. Yeah, I know, got free. How'd you get free? What did you do? Where did you go? Dude, let me tell you, I have got trophies of all the stuff I tried to do. Well, then what'd you do? Which trophy was it? What program did you go through? What counselor did you go to? Oh, God, I tried them all. I will say that Mark Phillip Believer is a pretty doggone counselor, though. <laughs> but the reality, once you're done with me and you walk out the door, the power goes right with you. I will tell you, no matter how good I preach right now, waiting on you in the parking lot is the power that does life with you. And it will be there waiting. Hello, my name is. You've been lied to. You've been told by religion that you have to live with it. You have to learn to conquer and be its friend. You have to learn to embrace it. It's the, it's the you, the broken. You have to embrace the brokenness. I'm okay with that. But is that the Bible, embrace brokenness or live free? I love embrace brokenness. I'm a messed up, sorry, no good. Makes me feel better when I fall apart because I'm like, well, you married it. But the reality is, it's a hard case to take, I'm just a broken mess, God loves me anyway, and run that through the Bible, and it comes out being okay. Because the broken mess that God loves anyway, once it's gone through Scripture, you come out on the other side going, oh my God, I'm supposed to be free. Oh, Jesus. 
I have tolerated something for years. I have made rules. I have read books. I have got little things on my phone that tell me when I'm about to go to a porn site. I've done everything. I got people set up on email that can track that it's not working. So what'd you do? I got freed because of the power. Here's the thought. Look in the mirror and ask yourself what's happening inside me right now. If you belong to Jesus right now is a life-giving force called the Spirit that is trying to bring you to a place of freedom. But at the same time, there's another force. It's a death-giving force. And both powers, the Bible, as we teach this in the weeks to come, both powers fight. They war. But the goal for you is freedom. So here's the scripture. Listen to this. It gets interesting. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, there's that word think. They think about sinful things. But those that are controlled, there's that word. You don't have to be dominated anymore by your brokenness and your addictions. You're controlled by the Spirit. They think on what pleases the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind, because that's where all your actions come from, your thought life. It just leads to death. But if you'll let the Spirit control your mind, that's where all your actions come from. It genders to life and peace. So really right now, just look at your actions and go, you'll know real quick that there's no faking it. Look at your actions over the last week and you will know who is dominating you. Not how many rules you kept, what was dominating your thought life the last week. For whatever dominates the thought life is the thing that's driving the bus of your life. It doesn't even feel like it's fun. It's just the way the Bible teaches it. You have to learn to let the living power control your mind so that you can do the things that please Him. It gets better. Here's the question. Freedom is realizing that there's a life-giving presence living within you that empowers you for these two words, life and peace. How do you know you're free? Life and peace. It doesn't mean that you're not broken. It doesn't mean that there's not a struggle going on. It means that you found life and peace. You've overcome. You've conquered it. It's not tormenting you anymore. It doesn't control you anymore. Here's the scripture and the thought, the question. Right now, think on your life, you. So I'd like you to do me a favor. Close your eyes, just you. And my question to you is, be fair, all right? Be fair to yourself. Am I overwhelmingly living in life and peace? Am I overwhelmingly living in life and peace? Are there things right now that are tormenting you? Are there habits that won't let you go? Are there addictions that won't ungrip you? Are there pressures that you keep living and failing at? Is your marriage broken? Is your, I mean, just you, just look in you real quickly and and be as gut level honest. Is it an overwhelming life filled with peace and filled with his life? Or are you on the struggle bus? My God, the bus is going fast. And I'm just trying to survive. I'm 
just hoping my marriage makes it. I'm just hoping I don't fall apart again. I'm just hoping people understand that this is me and deal with it because I don't ever see you changing. Here's the answer. You want to look up? What I'm about to share with you was life-changing to me in more ways than I as a pastor could even begin to tell you. As a young kid at age 13, I saw my first porn magazine. And I don't know, as any 13-year-old, it's just definitely don't tell your parents. Definitely don't tell your preacher because you're Pentecostal, we'll go to hell. So you just hide it. But you can conquer it. Because they told you at youth camp you could conquer it. There were no cell phones back then. You actually had to go find it. You had to go find the JCPenney catalog. You had to go find a Cosmopolitan. You had to go to the Zippy Mart and look over the little thing to try to see your boobies. Because they hit them. But just enough to tempt you as a kid. Just enough to try to find the friend that had the magazine at their house because their bigger brother was old, bold enough to go get one and then they pass it off the younger brother. But I can overcome it. Oh, grit your teeth and don't and stop and you feel dirty and you feel evil. But then a week later and then you grow up into high school, you still love God. You're going to church, your dad's a preacher. But on Friday night, you're drunk. On Friday night, you're having sex with your girlfriend. On Sunday, you go to church and go, God, I'm so sorry. God, I don't want to do this. I want to have sex before marriage. God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again, I swear. Friday night, drunk. Friday night, having sex. Sunday, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Jesus, I just feel like a worm. I just, I just feel like I don't even know why you love me. I don't even know because I just can't. I mean, this is, this is going on for years. Of me crying on Sunday of how much I love God and how broken I am. But on Friday, I can't stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I can't quit drinking the beer with the fellas. I just had this duality. I, I didn't know it was a power versus a power. I thought it was my rules versus my breaking rules, my getting grounded and in trouble versus going to hell. And you just, you just kind of come in. The crazy thing today is we don't want you to come in. We want you to come out and celebrate your addictions and celebrate your perversion and celebrate your darkness because I want you to think you're free because you can celebrate it. But you're not free. And so, years of frustration, years of pouting, years of seven months free, one week not free, eight months free, God, a, week, a day of just, why did I even look at that? Jesus. I had nine months, I didn't even look at it. And then just one day, 30 seconds, stupid. 30 dad burn seconds. And I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. God, I blew it. Okay, it was only 30 seconds. I didn't go on a binge. I didn't go on some porn binge. I looked at a boob. Forgive me, God. I'm so sorry. But at least, here's the, here's the lie, but at least I didn't just sit there and go for it. I, online for hours. All right, I'm just a man. I'm just a boss. All men. All men do it, Mark. Just, it's okay. Well, maybe if I get married, that's what it is. I'd get married and have sex. We well, get married and have sex. <laughs> She'll never look at porn again. 
It's another rule. You want another rule, Mark? You, you think getting married is going to stop a power? You think getting married is going to stop sin? If getting married would have done it, I wouldn't have had to hang on the cross. And suddenly you realize the torment, the, the fight, the struggle, whether it's alcohol or addictions or porn or anger or feelings or emotions or pouting or all the stuff that we get involved in itself. Today it's not that. It's a good thing. We applaud you. As long as you don't hurt other people, we applaud you. But we're not free. That's why the world is not rushing to the church. They're rushing to other things. They're not flooding in here. Ain't nobody flooding in here to find freedom. They're going everywhere else. But let me tell you this. God has put something in a human that is desperate for freedom. And they will go anywhere they can go to find it. They'll go to the bottle. They'll go wherever they can go to find the freedom that they think they like. And we have the answer of what it is. It is a life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. So you know what Mark did? My little Pentecostal, keep all the rules, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't hang around. Those that do dad gum don't get a tattoo. You will not make it in heaven. Well, at least if I go to heaven and have to go to hell, I'm going to say, can I just cut an arm off and get in anyway? <laughs> No, it was me reading this. It touches my life. When you finally admit what worthless human you are and you go, God, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I can't keep another rule. I can't say no to the alcohol. I can't say no to the porn. I can't say no to the anger. I can't say no to the addictions. I have tried and it just weighs heavy on me. I and then all of a sudden you pray this really weird prayer. Holy Spirit, help me. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, 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 oh. You finally want to admit I could help you? You finally want to let go of all your rules and let me breathe some power in you? Yes, I I'm 57, and I've, I've ran the gamut of rules. I've read every dad blame book. I've watched every YouTube video. If you would just kindly help me. And then all of heaven is like, all of heaven is rejoicing. They're like, finally, that big dunny. That big dummy that has gone to the altar a million times. He's apologized a million times. He's had hands laid on him in a no awning oil. He's bought paintings and YouTube videos. He finally admitted we could help him. <laughs> now, just so you know, it's not just preaching. It worked. It worked. When I admitted I cannot do it and I need you to help me, I didn't come up with a rule. I came up with an admission. I cannot do this. I need you to help me. Watch how crazy it gets. For when you don't even know what you should be praying for, that Holy Spirit will pray for you. <laughs> Holy smoke. Holy Spirit, help me. I will, but what I'm about to do is go to daddy and I'm going to have a conversation about how we're about to help you. I'm going to be praying for you, Mark. 
Now, I'm not just preaching now. I'm literally sharing with you how I came to a place in my life of brokenness, addictions, hurts, and failures to finally admit I'm all too human and I don't need another rule. I really, really need you just to help me. Now, here's where the humility comes in. And I don't care what you want to do. You have your way. You want me to go to a counselor, tell me. You want me to quit something, tell me. I'm just telling you I've done it all. I don't know what else to do. I can't fix my marriage. I can't fix my stupidity. I'm just here saying, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me, help me, Holy Spirit. Do what I cannot do. Do what I've been trying to do for years. Do it through me. Do it in me. God, have your way. And when a Christian prays that, I'm just going to tell you, buckle up and hold on. That thing that has tugged on you, that thing that has nagged you, that thing that has sat on your shoulders waiting on you to fail again, that thing begins to shut its pie hole and power begins to well up. And suddenly, here's a weird thing. You don't even have any rules anymore. You're just walking around going, dude, I don't know how I got free, but I'm free. I just got free. How'd you get free? I met a person that lived on the inside of me, and I decided to let him be in charge instead of me. I, I used to believe in him and make a lot of rules, and now I just believe in him and let him do whatever he wants to do. And here's the end result, the conclusion. It is for freedom that Jesus set you free. That freedom is living in you. That freedom wants to help you. And that freedom is praying for you. And that freedom wants to bring you life and peace. And, and I, I said at the top, I went out on a limb, this could be potentially life-changing forever. That you don't ever have to make one more rule. You simply need to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, help me, help me. And he's so brilliant. He is the most brilliant. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you. He knows your deepest thought. He knows your temptation. He knows your weakness. He knows. And you. the way he could help you is you'd be driving along and hit a red light. And you're like, dad, burn red light. And the Holy Ghost like, chill out, bro. I'm helping you. How could you be helping me? Because the hot now sign's on. I'm waiting on it to go off. He's thinking about Krispy Kreme. Oh, I'll thank you, God, because if I saw that hot now sign, I, I would just lie to John and tell him I didn't stop. So even in the things that frustrate us, when you go, help me, that frustration might be him helping you because he's trying to keep you from going off a cliff. You have to let him help you. And you have to believe in every frustration, everything coming. I don't care. He's helping me. He said, it might be a red light, but I guarantee you, it ain't. I used to think it was the devil bothering me. Not anymore. I got a new power. Now that red light, he's helping me somehow. I don't know how he's helping me, but he's helping me. I lost my dad lame keys. He's going to help me. I lost a Bible years ago. Years ago, lost my favorite Bible. I looked for it for two weeks, could not find it. Finally, this is how just stupid I am. My God, I wish you'd just show me where the Bible is. They're like, oh, he finally asked for help. And this is, this is weird. In that instant, I had a mini, like, 
dream. And I saw myself putting the Bible down, and I was like, oh, God, I know right where it's at. Went and found it. Just because I said, God, would you just help me? Bow your heads now. Stand with me if you will. If you're new here, the way we end is really simple, but it's very meaningful. We end by coming to a communion table. The bread is there, the juice, wine is there. You can take the uh, prepackaged or you can dip. But I said it's meaningful in the sense of it's how we go, okay, I heard what I needed to hear. And I'm putting the period on it with this communion. Have you heard something you needed to hear today? 
Then the communion is, I believe, and I'm putting a period to what I believe. And I'm loosing the life of God. The band is going to lead us in some worship. You can stay around as long as you want. The prayer is up here. I want you to pray it. If you need prayer to my left and right, or people that would love to pray with you specifically. Until then, I bless you. Let's all say this prayer together. At the end of it, you may be dismissed and come and partake of communion. Here we go. Jesus, I believe in you. Come live in me. Help me. Pray for me. Bring me life and peace. I love you. Be blessed.